0: Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come, gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. welcome everyone to another episode of indie reads aloud i love doing this program i have the best time meeting new authors and in today's world of zoom there are people i never would have met without this um, technology connectivity Uh, one of those people is today's featured author reese shaw and i am so glad to meet you you're coming all the way from california which is very cool because i'm in michigan so okay. it it's essentially the other side of the planet. Pretty much. <laughs> I, I'm very pleased to have you on the program. I'm so glad that we connected. Um, for today's episode, for anyone listening with someone who might have little ears... Um, you might want to be advised that there is a listener advisory today for strong language and mature situations. So please screen this episode before you share it with the little people in your life, just to be, you know, responsible and stuff. I know we have to be grown-ups. It's a thing. So for those of you who have never met Reese before, and I'm just meeting her for the first time today, which is so exciting. Um She has always been interested in history, dilapidated ruins, stories of deceit and survival. Her belief that women are overlooked in history or blamed for mankind's unsavory decisions is the reigning theme behind her gritty, realistic historical fiction books. In the Walexia, is it Walexia series? Walexia, yeah. Okay. See, foreign words, not my thing. Uh, Reese draws upon her love for story to bring to the pages and and bring them alive with the personal struggles and pain of strong female characters, taking us on their journey to overcome and thrive and the next part of this bio I specifically giggled that and I wanted to share with that with you because it was just so much fun in the modern world. Reese shares her home with a few furry friends and a less furry spouse, which I think is just a, a wonderful way to refer to your spouse as less furry. She can be found with her nose in a book or talk, taking a walk, though not at the same time. I, I think you're missing a really great experience here. For one who's done it, I think you need to walk and read a book at the same time. <laughs> just do it. Okay. <laughs> find yourself in a big open field and get a book and just walk where you know you're not going to run into trees uh, and read. I, this is how I read the entire book, um, The Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, Zen in the <laughs> Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I read it over the course of an entire day while meandering myself through an open field.
1: That's wonderful.
0: <laughs> it's a great experience. I, I really recommend you should try reading and walking. It's fine. Okay. Well, <laughs>
1: thank you. well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me and introducing me. That's very, very kind. Um, I think that when I was younger, I probably did read and walk a bit more. <laughs> but as I've gotten older, my, my uh, longing to survive has probably made me a little bit more cautious. But open field, great idea.
0: Open field yeah and then when you master that they can you start walking through the woods okay okay
1: and yeah. <laughs> not walking into the trees
0: <laughs> well i remember in high school i used to walk uh, in between classes and read while i was walking in between classes and i never had a problem so i i think definitely make okay. it a make it a thing you'll you'll
1: enjoy it <laughs> i'll let you know how it goes
0: <laughs> so you're gonna read someone's daughter today tell me a little bit about the backstory i could read the synopsis but it's so much more fun when it comes from you so tell me a little bit about how this story came to the world
1: well this story actually uh came to me a chunk of it in the middle in a dream and i woke up and i just wrote it down um And I just, it's something I went back to and just toyed with over a few years, actually. I kept going back and just writing on this story. Um, And then one day I said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to write a book for me. I'm just going to write a book. Because I had written short stories. I'd written lots of little tiny novella things and stuff I'd never published. But I was like, you know, this this is my chance to write for me. And once i made that decision i really believe the universe kind of just opens things for you and suddenly it's like oh look there's this free writing course or not writing course but marketing or there's this free thing or there's this self-publishing and i'm like hmm, okay well maybe i'll do more it was intended to be one book and as you see there's a few more uh-huh. um, once i had and we were the-
0: speaking in the green room there's a fourth coming right
1: Forthcoming, I'm about words into it now, so I'm hoping to get that one. That will come out early next year, Um, and then that's this series, the Wilexia series, will be finished and complete. And I think that's that's hard, Um, that's difficult ending because you could always continue. (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) As the characters, but for book one, I feel like book one could be a standalone um, if you wanted it to be, and that's the end of that. But the characters had a lot more to say. So I carried on.
0: Isn't it I, interesting how our, how our imaginary voices um become less imaginary the more we talk
1: to them? Absolutely. Yeah, they are there. <laughs> you know, I've gone so far as to go, Oh, what astrological sign is so-and-so. Okay, that's you know, yeah. Yep. And their food, their likes, all of the things they become oh sure. They become a part of us so much so that you know, inevitably sometimes some of them might die and I cry, you know, I cry when I feel off a character. Yeah. Yeah. It,
0: it can be a painful thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, separation of any kind, uh, especially when you live with them so deeply through the pages yes. of creation and nurturing and editorial. And, and then when you have the finished book and you get to read it out loud to audiences um, those are, those are moments that are heartfelt, especially, I think, for the author, because they come from inside you someplace.
1: They do. And and they're all, you were saying how the characters come alive, and they're all so different.
0: Yeah. They're
1: all so different. And I love that. I mean, someone's daughter, I have three sisters, um, the oldest sister. She's, she's the stories are all about her. She's my main character. And she's 13 when we start. She's very young. Wow. And she's got two younger sisters, but she's a tough, she's a tough kid. I mean, so what, what time period are these books set in? 14th century. Very
0: cool. Okay. All right. My headspace is in the right place now. Mm -hmm. I would love it if you could read aloud for us and then we'll talk a little bit after, but I'm, I'm really excited to hear this story. I haven't read it yet. And I read the synopsis and I'm super intrigued. Oh, so you. Well, when wow. you are ready, please, Reese, take the microphone and read aloud. I will. Thank you.
1: Okay. Here's my book. Prologue. Our daughters shall carry the earth. They will mend her, replenish her with children, heal her with wisdom. Our daughters shall raise their sons in the ways of the land and people to bring about peace and clarity for what must happen. Our daughters will right the wrongs of men who knew no better and of men who knew the truth but did not care. Alaria was trapped. Inside her dream, she felt someone was hovering above her, staring down, ready to pounce. They grabbed her wrists and she flailed about trying to protect herself. Her eyes opened. It was not a dream. She was being held down by a tall man with piercing blue eyes. He was laughing as he tightened his grip on her. Let me go. How dare you even be in my bedchamber? She struggled trying to kick her legs, but with his firm grip and her heavy bedclothes, it was a lost cause. The man only leered at her as other guards entered her room. She heard one of them ask where the other two royal bitches were. Pulling her to a standing position, the blue-eyed man told her to get dressed or not. He said it didn't matter to him as soon as he released her she grabbed her thick dressing gown pulling it around herself to stop his eyes from boring into her and put on some socks for warmth morning had not yet broken and her fires hadn't been lit it was bitter and cold within her room her breath looked like smoke in the frigid air as she asked why are you here and what is the meaning of this before anyone answered, the younger princesses were dragged into her room and shoved towards her, both crying and terrified. Alaria ran to them and tried to calm them down. Shh, hush now, it will all be all right. Neither of them had on more than their sleeping dresses, so she gathered up a blanket for the youngest, Jenison, and another dressing gown for Surya. Both of the young girls stepped behind their older sister for protection and she repeated her questions, trying to muster up as much authority as a 13-year-old could find. A pathway was cleared as Trainter, the Earl of Newark, came striding into her room in that awkward and ungainly way that portly chaps stride. Good morning, princesses. Follow all orders and no harm will come to you let my men escort you to your new living chambers. No need to worry, your parents will be joining you soon. I only wanted to round you up first as my collateral, just in case your father or any of his men tried to stop us. As of today, I am the new ruler of Walexia. The princesses were speechless and frozen in disbelief, but they jumped when he shouted, spewing spittle everywhere. Well, did you not hear me? Bow down, you ungrateful wenches. I am your king. Alaria took each of her sisters' hands and they all bowed to this abysmal man. Jennison and Saria were both still crying. Newark seemed offended by this and spoke directly to Alaria. I advise you to get your sisters under control. I can always send them with Creavy here. He has ways of training young girls. At the mention of his name, Creevy, the blue-eyed man, stepped forward and spoke. Oh, yes, your majesty, I would love to take these young ladies off of your hands. I do have ways of getting them to obey me. He was ogling all three of them, but seemed particularly focused on Deloria and smacked his lips, making offensive noises as he stared at her. She met his gaze with hatred, which only seemed to excite him. Not wishing to end up with him, she turned her attention to Newark before bowing again and speaking. "'Your Majesty, may my sisters and I gather some warm clothing, please, before we are escorted to our new chambers?' Newark snorted and waved an acknowledgement of sorts. She took immediate action and began stuffing warm socks, slippers, and wraps into a large bag. Then she bowed again and said, "'Thank you, King Traitor. The words felt like razors in her throat, but she knew she could play this game if it meant their lives were now dependent upon this wretched man. Newark scratched his crotch and said to Creevy, well, perhaps they will end up with you soon, but for now, I will unite them with their parents. I am not evil after all. Newark, Crevy, and all of the guards laughed at this. Alaria, Suria, and Jennison were stone-faced. They were led down the hallway. This wasn't right, thought Alaria. Where were all the servants? Why had no one sounded the alarm about what was happening? The doorway to her mother's lady maid's room was open and she saw poor Brigitte laid out on the cold stone floor. An enormous bruise covered her face and it was unclear whether she was alive or dead. Stepping between her sisters in the doorway to block their view, she hurried them along. It was no use. She may have shielded them from seeing Brigitte, but the hallway was a bloodbath of dead soldiers and servants who had been going about their mourning, readying everything for the royal family when they were surprised. Trays were spilled, logs being carried to light fires were scattered, soldiers who clearly put up a fight lay dead their faces showing the disbelief and fear of their last dying thoughts. Blood was everywhere, and trying to avoid stepping in it proved difficult. Saria was gasping to breathe as her tears overcame her and she gulped for air. Fearing the threat from Newark about sending one or all of them with Creevy, Alaria turned to Saria and pulled her sister's face into her shoulder while still holding Jennison's hand. She herself was terrified and could only imagine what her younger sisters were feeling. She must remain strong. There would be time for her own tears later. At last, they arrived at a part of the castle where the young ladies had never seen. It was much darker and dingier here, and a few rats scurried down the hallway, running towards them and passing them as if trying to escape from this hellhole. A large door with iron bars creaked open, and the girls were shoved inside. There was a clanging of metal as the door was locked with a padlock the size of a hand. It smelled like rotting piles of food before they were buried or eaten by the castle pigs. Jenison vomited. Surya wailed. Alaria pulled her clothing up to cover her nose and mouth and looked around, taking in their surroundings. Surely the new self-appointed king did not realize where they had been taken. A mistake must have been made. She hurried to the door to ask a guard, but he only laughed at her and spat on the floor. No mistake, Missy. Welcome to your new abode. Hearing a commotion outside of his bedchamber, the king sat up. The sun had only just begun to crest the horizon, spilling a hazy orange light into the royal chambers. He looked over at his wife, sound asleep, and waited for the noises to pass. The footsteps, and the frenzy were getting louder, closer. He reached over to wake her just as men entered their room, shouting at him to get to his feet. In his confusion, he stumbled from his bed to demand who was responsible for this intrusion upon his sacred space, when from the doorway, several large men wearing an unknown crest cleared a path and the Earl of Newark entered with a smirk upon his round face. Ah, glad we didn't have to awaken you from your slumber, old man although i can see that your wife certainly needs her beauty sleep seize them he barked and the men came forward to grab him the queen cried out in fear and confusion as she was dragged from their bed he felt helpless all of the rumors he had been hearing about the earl of newark were true he didn't want to believe them and yet here he was taking control of walexia and the crown the king and queen with a soldier on either side of them gripping their arms, were escorted to the dungeon and thrown into a damp, dark cell. The king saw his innocent daughters hiding in the corner, terrified of what was happening to them. His anger at seeing them there was replaced with relief that their lives had been spared. He surmised they were only kept alive because they were female and not heirs to the throne as a son would have been. The younger princesses were in complete shock, not understanding why anyone would treat their family in such a cruel manner. They whimpered and cowered like frightened puppies, and their parents did their best to console them. Only the eldest, Alaria, sat upright, telling her sisters to try to be brave. When her gaze met her father's, he knew she understood the dangerous situation they were in. Do not worry, everything will be fine he said he knew he was giving them false hope because if the earl had already turned the king's own men they did not stand a chance for the right price it would have been easy to turn many of his protectors yet he knew in his heart it would have been impossible to turn his noble brachnor he would either be in another dungeon cell holed up somewhere in hiding or dead from fighting for his king Not wanting to believe his last thought, he put all his energy into hoping Bracknor was indeed in hiding and organizing a siege of the castle to rescue them and help him restore order. With this thought, he looked at his terrified, disheveled family, knowing he must remain strong for them. Somewhere beyond the cell wall, a cock crowed.
0: okay okay can you can you come back and read to me again tomorrow (laughs) that's just lovely oh my gosh i i was lost in that story that's wow okay so i've now added these three books to my tbr list
1: oh thank you so
0: yeah i think i'm sucked in um tell me what was the most difficult part of writing somewhere's daughter for you What was the biggest challenge that you ran into?
1: Um, Well, the research was challenging, but it was fun for the 14th century. So uh, I I did go back often and try to make sure that the language I was using was language that they would have used. (coughs) The same with food and clothing and all of that. But I think... um, so this is, this is going to sound odd, but I have not written a memoir, but I have put some personal situations as we all do into our books. And it's sure. been, for me, it's been um, a very healing way of overcoming um, some traumatic events. And so some of them actually have crept into my books, um, maybe not to the extent, or perhaps they have. Um, <laughs> but my, Alaria my, is a survivor. Mm-hmm. And I'm a survivor, and so I think facing that when you're writing sometimes can be, you know, it's very emotional um, because you're revisiting places that that are dark yeah. and maybe you didn't want to go there. But I, I mean, I, I my daughter said to me, "Where does all this darkness come from?" <laughs> so surprised, and I said, "You know, it, it it just comes. It's in there, and it comes, and it and it's it's very therapeutic, and it comes out of me." So.
0: Sure. The catharsis of it is, is it's one of the things I love most about writing. Um, we reward people we don't feel are rewarded enough in life. And we torture people who we feel haven't been tortured enough in life. And it, it's a great way to do that without getting arrested.
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I mean, when you read book one, you're going, I hope, and some people have put this in their reviews, have commented on some uh, very similar things happening in the current um, timeline of our mm-hmm. work. Um, and that's on purpose, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, if, uh, what I'm, was what was your favorite moment
0: in this book? I mean, I understand this might be a spoiler, but tell me tell me what your favorite moment was when you wrote it, you said, oh yeah, I like this, this works, this is good. What, what was a moment like that for you in this
1: story? I think when Alaria, so, and this will be a little bit of a spoiler, but not too much. The family spend a lot of time in the dungeon, mm-hmm. uh, like a few years. And um, that's not healthy and people die. Yeah. So Alaria, at one point looks around at her family and realizes we're all going to die these miserable deaths if I don't do something. And mm-hmm. so she empowers herself, she takes it upon herself, and works out what exactly she can do, which, you know, isn't something she wants to do, but it's something she knows will, will definitely make her family and the remaining members of her family survive.
0: Wow. See, I don't believe that there are such things as spoilers. I think there are such things as enticements. So when we hear you talk about those pieces of story, it just makes me want to go read the book that much more.
1: Well, I didn't tell you who dies yet, so that's okay. But,
0: but, you know, (laughs) people die. It's 14th century. People die. (laughs) You
1: know, I've had some readers say to me, um, they're glad that I I wasn't afraid to kill off certain people. Mm. It's even, you know, sometimes you'll read a book or even watch something on Netflix or whatever you watch and you'll be going oh wow they survived oh yeah they survived that's amazing but in real life they wouldn't
0: yeah yeah it it Um, is fun so but it's fun to play with story in that way Yeah. yeah 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 this is this is why we as authors are so drawn to storytelling is because we get to play with it like that
1: oh it's it's wonderful
0: it's wonderful. Absolutely, I'm so glad to have met you. I'm so glad you came on the program, and I I expect that in the next couple of days you will go back to the website and sign up to come back and read the other
1: two books for me. I'd love to. I that absolutely lovely. Do that. This, is, yeah. this has been wonderful. Thank you. You're just a great person. I'm. Oh, thank to you. you. You're
0: welcome. Thank you. So the next time you're in Michigan, let me know. We'll get together. We'll have cocoa at a little coffee shop someplace. It'll be good. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today, Reese.
1: Thank you so much, Diana. You're welcome.
0: Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you're an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.